Hello, welcome back to the Vulture Club. It is your host, Sophie White. I am joined, as always, by Jennifer O'Dwyer. And coming up in today's show, I've got a little come again. It's a dorky Facebook group's time to shine as they troll a New York Times journalist seeking info on Matt Damon. We speak to Fanula Jones about the cultural moment she's never stopped thinking about. It's One Direction, and it's timely because they are full of talk of a 10-year reunion this year. Can you believe it? It's 10 years since they won the X Factor. Jen has got a visceral today, I learned. And later in the show, we break down Bombshell, a powerhouse of a flick, starring Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie. And how three women overthrew former CEO of Fox, Roger Ailes. And lastly, your new reality TV obsession, Making the Cut, is cutting us deep. I am obsessed. I mean, we're doing great. Globally, we're performing fantastically. Like, we've embraced... It's like it's our Eurovision <laughs> revival moment, isn't it? <laughs> Ireland, outperforming the UK in terms of not... So many deaths per per capita. Head. Is it? I have um, I've treated myself this week to not consuming too many of the stats. Okay. So I'm just going off kind of the the meme mood to ascertain how well we're doing. And I saw the meme about. Did you see this one that was like an analogy for flattening the curve? Oh great! This parachute has slowed my descent. I'll take it off now. Did you see that? No, I thought but it's, it's, perfect. it's perfect, isn't it? So that's, oh. I feel like that's let me know exactly where we're at and I'm, I'm feeling positive and I don't need to know any more details. No facts or details. I put up a story on my Instagram uh, there during the week. Uh, I don't watch mine back and I think I may need to instate a watch back because oh. there was so, oh your nipple so much tit like not even just nip it was tit and nip tit and nip all over my stories and wow did someone report you no but somebody was like I mean no big if you don't mind but have you seen this and <laughs> sent me a screen grab oh. of me I was obviously readjusting the breastfeeding and I'm handling the tit. And it looks, I mean, it looks like I'm slotting a raw chicken fillet, that exact shape and size, into a human baby's head. Well, I mean. And I, and I said, you know what? I mean, we're at a low, but I don't need to be compounding on it. These, these aren't my tits at their absolute best. This isn't them at their best selves. So I deleted but, the story. Oh, did you? I feel like it's an instructional, educational thing that people... I feel like you're doing a lot... I mean, when you first exposed me to what breastfeed... The horrors of breastfeeding... (laughs) Initially, I was obviously instinctually wanted to shut my eyes, run away. (laughs) But it actually turned out to be the greatest gift you've ever given me. Because as we've discussed a lot, I I had never seen like like a woman's nipple that close to me IRL you know when you well that's just the life I led I just wasn't 
you know, no, it's hanging around. fair to say. Women's and nipples. So, and much. I needed to see that. And then it took away when my own turned into these goblins of this. this <laughs> just, I was just beaten by them. Uh, I wasn't, I was shocked, obviously, as everybody is. But, uh, uh, you know, you'd soften the blow. Thank you. I mean, that's the thing, you see, because we're so accustomed to um, tits, obviously, but we're not accustomed to tits performing their natural function. Uh, and when they do it, they do look they, different. Yeah. <laughs> it's not subtle. It ain't titillating. It's, no. It's um. It's like, uh, you know, when you go to airfield or somewhere where they're milking a cow. Mm. And, you, they, and they, they pull they, it down real long and you're like, wow, I didn't think yeah. they go that long. Yep. My come again this week hails from where else? The internet, but also Dorky. <laughs> I didn't actually think that Dorky would have anything to offer me during this time of lockdown. But Dorky actually brought me a bit of joy this week. So, as we all know, Matt Damon is skulking around South County Dublin. Or. I do have a theory that it's a deep fake, but that's for a different podcast that we also host called The Creep Tide. Anyway, so Matt Damon's been spotted down doing his bit of sea swimming, carrying his bits in a super value bag for life. And obviously everyone was enjoying this very much. So we think the theory is he got stranded here. He was shooting something, you know, in a kind of, in Ardmore, I think. Right. And, uh, just didn't make it out. Now, the man has children, small children, I believe. So I think maybe there might have been a window of escape. And he was like, no, I just missed it, lads. I'm so sorry. I'm alone here now for the foreseeable. Devastating to have missed my window. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, there's a Facebook group called Dorky Open Forum. And uh, they... Uh, got a message from Heather Tal Murphy. Hi, hello, Dorky residents. I'm a New York Times reporter writing a story on life in Dorky right now. Oh, really, no. Heather? How random of you. What a coinky dink. What a dink. Uh, this is connected to reports that residents have been delighted by sightings involving a new neighbour, actor Matt Damon. Brackets. I know this is silly, but everyone craves a happy coronavirus story right now. I'm looking for one, people who have spotted him, who can share details of the encounter. Two, people who can share what lockdown in Dorky is like. I'm looking for responses tonight. I realise that having a reporter in your private group may be annoying, but I promise to only use comments that are posted under my post or emailed to me directly at heather.murphy at nytimes.com. I posted a version of this an hour ago. It disappeared. Emails with admins suggest that it was accidentally deleted. This means that if you posted something earlier, I lost it. Thanks. Oh, my God. I know. What were people's response? Oh, the comments thread was a boppin'. Andrew F. says, The previous version of this post wasn't taken down by mistake. It was taken down because it was reported for harassment. Anyone living in Doggy has a right to their privacy. I'll be removing this. Um, now... <laughs> then there's another one Michaela W Ah leave him alone Heather <laughs> uh, Jessica M says Leave him be Was your last post not deleted for that reason How about just yeah. leave him be It's one of the reasons celebs love Ireland They get left alone and treated like normal humans 
Um, then this is fascinating oh. because Heather, I'm sure, has done a small amount of research on maybe Ireland and doggy in particular. I would say small. And I'm wondering, like, small, very small. <laughs> but the approach was appropriate. It was like, I know it's silly. This is silly. I know how ridiculous this all sounds, but it just coincided with this article I'm writing about Dorky. So I thought, I'll just pop it in. Heather, we know what you're at. Just put it up front. Like, does she, I wonder, does she kind of think, I don't know, that Irish people are just so awed by New York? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Maybe. She has well, an email address that includes New York in the title. I'd say worse, though, for Heather, because like I can see both sides of this. I've been Heather. Such a pain trying to like kind of solicit people for information or interviews and things like that. And like sometimes people are just like, fuck off. And you're like, God damn it. But I'd say Heather is like, oh, and her editor is like, hey, Murphy, you sound Irish. Get down there. Get down there to the Internet and hit up these Irish folks. And I'm sure they'll be only dying to tell us all about having a real-life celeb yank in the midst. Well, you know that after you sent that to me, and I was like, what do I know about Matt Damon in Dorky? And a quick Google search threw back an Irish Times article with a picture of somebody hugging Matt Damon outside of no, one of the stores no, there. No. And uh, it was, there, there was the comments below, like, two metres, lads, two, two metres. And in fact... It, and then there was a comment to say, wait, I think this was taken before the two metre mandate. And then it was exposed that the photograph was taken on the very day of Leo's speech, oh. telling us all to stay two metres away. So, then, of course, we're going to need a time of day. I was about to say, like, did they just get in there in time to Whatever. give Matt Damon Corona? Um, exactly. Uh, or get it from him. Look what Tom Hanks did. Oh, God, of course. Mm. Um, I enjoy now, uh, yeah, they, they basically just vehemently defended Matt Damon's right to um, schmooze around uh, Dorky in peace. I did enjoy a few people started um, sending spoof tips. Michelle J says, I heard he's moved to the East Pier. He's pitching a tent at the end of it. But if this lockdown continues, he won't need a tent. He can borrow me knickers. They're big enough for a circus. Good luck to Matt on his new venue. <laughs> and what do you reckon? Where do you reckon he is? So Shazer, some- Shazer F says he sent me nudes. Uh, they're so good. And like a final one from Brian OF. I seen him down the nudist hangout down the Vico. I tell you this, he has no bother keeping the social distance. Like a baby's <laughs> arm hanging out of a pram. <laughs> Absolute that's, I think quality that trolling from the Dorky Facebook group. The uh, Super Value bag shot, I think, was taken down the Vico nudie. In the beach. old swimwear optional bathing um, point. Oh. It's only, it's swimwear optional, right? But then when you go, if you go down to sort of check it out, you're met by, I think this man identifies as the sort of guardian. Oh, he's the mayor. The he is the mayor. Yeah. Jared. <laughs> Is that his name? <laughs> he is leathery in skin. He's like a uh, chameleon on a rock or a li- some kind of lizard-like creature. He's doing a downward dog on your arrival. So you're getting the rusty bullet hole immediately as a warning slash oh, be aware this is, you know, it's very intimidating. I think that is like his practice of welcoming you ass first is like a litmus test. It's like, are you actually able 
or have you just taken a wrong turn? Because well, that's it. Like I and remember I think, the first time going over. You know, you go over a dart bridge to get there, and that's where the swimwear optional bathing is written. But okay. it's written like graffiti. Uh, okay, now it's been years since I've been there, so it might have changed. But that's what it used to be like. And I remember it like kind of lolling and being like swimwear optional, uh-huh. ha, and then getting over there, being greeted by Jared in the traditional Fico Road fashion, and being like, okay. And he was very sweet to us, me, yeah. me and our teenage friend. We were about 16. <laughs> very encouraging of, you know, girls, if you want to get in, you know, swimwear optional. <gasps> very sweet. Ah. He actually really genuinely was sweet, like not pervy. And yeah. it's hard to it's pull that funny. off when you are a naked middle-aged man encouraging 16-year-olds to um, nude bathe. But he genuinely did pull it off. All right. Well... That's it, Matt Damon. Like a baby's arm hanging out of a pram. I tell you, I won't be looking at my baby's arm the same. I'll tell you this. Today I learned section. So this is sort of the beginning of understanding how vaccines work at a kind of basic level. So during the China... Ming Dynasty, a very, very long time ago. I can't, I don't know the year. Do you need it? <laughs> Let's just say a long, fado, fado. Um, they used to powder smallpox scabs, right, in a pestle and mortar and uh, get the fine dust and blow it up the noses of the healthy. Ah. Understanding even back then that they would then develop a mild case of the disease and from then... They would be immune to it. Although uh, I think at the time, the technique had about a, a 0.5 to a 2% mortality rate. It was still far better than getting the actual disease itself, out of which you would have 20 to 30% chance of dying from. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Mm. It is interesting. Like that first roll of the dice of like, if we could just get a little bit of this disease and, um, you know, like, because they didn't, I presume, you know really who, know about, you know, cor- antibodies and immunity. No, it was that one, it was the one village child, you know, that cl- everyone has one in their town, cul-de-sac or estate. And it's the ferocious um, nose picker and eater. Oh. So it's the equivalent of that no, child. No, no, no. Picking the scab of a smallpox person. Eating it. Ugh. And everyone like, oh, Jesus, I think that means you're going to... I wasn't. Oh, wait, what's happening here? I wasn't here? ready for this. Oh, but you know, that's... Oh, you've just put something into your mouth there. <laughs> yes. I can see yes. from the video chat. What is it? Smallpox? Uh, is it a tiny... Custard Is it fruit, yogurt and granola. It has every texture of what you're talking about. Scab and snot. Oh, stop. How, however, that, that's, that's, I'm sure, of how... It, it, how it all began okay you know okay that's fabulous <laughs> that's don't, don't leave us we learned. are going to talk about culture as well <laughs> that's culture that's culture Ming Dynasty they invented it so you texted me earlier in the week and said I'm heavily involved in something I think you need, you'd be interested or you need to get involved in it and that's something I thought was like, oh, no, I've seen this in 
I know this. Yeah, I don't need I, to watch this. Watched this. I've seen a million iterations of this. Can I ask you, did it like literally turn your week around in terms of mood and personal happiness? Because it's doing that for me and I'm really amazed. Can, uh, Sophie, did you have put any time into Project Runway? Oh, yeah. You did. Oh, I would have invested a fair bit of time. Not hugely, not a huge amount. Like it was a surprise to me that it was 16 years ago that it started. Um, so we are, of course, talking about making the cut, which is the new iteration of Project Runway with Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn. And uh, it's a joy. I've, I think, I sense we're about to have an argument about it. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm enjoying it, but I'm enjoying just the amount of cash that Amazon have fucked into it. Ooh, I know. So Production just... values are excellent. It's mm. genuinely different. It's genuinely a departure from Project Runway, which, if people don't know, was a really successful design reality TV show competition that started in 2000 and uh, went on for over a decade. And the thing that Run Project Runway had that was kind of adorable was it was a bit lo-fi. And you had um, contestants were all amateurs. Um, but now with Making the Cut, they have literally, I mean, they're making the cash. Um, they must be printing money to fund this thing. because So they have all international designers who are established and have created collections. Some of the designers have done collabs with Adidas. Some of them have worked with like Philip Lim for five years. Like they are designers with real chops. And so far now where I am at in the series, they haven't left Paris yet. They're just in Paris staging these incredible fashion shows um, at amazing locations around the city. The judging panel. I mean, it's a freaking dream. Guys, Naomi freaking Campbell is on it. And I mean, every second, like the camera spends on her. Like she does, there's not a second of filler content with Naomi. The camera. She's a fucking just, arsehole. She is an I mean, she's stunningly <laughs> brilliant arsehole. But like, I love her for it. She's so. Oh, passionate about fashion and mm. she's just taking no shit and like I think she's absolutely brilliant even if say for example they had one shot of the judges so the rest of the judges are um, another um, Nicole Richie Nicole Richie another uh, why what are you talking about I love her I know but it just feels like they've uh, what's her name Karen Karen Rockfeld Karen uh, Rockfeld yeah of, of, of French Vogue and um Naomi and yeah and they have that guy um Alta I didn't know who he was he yeah he has a fashion house Alta Zura Alta Zero can't remember okay. and and then Nicole but I guess you're right Nicole's sort of a lesser kind of the same sort of energy as uh she's like a Naomi right well I was gonna say she's a bit like a kind of poor cousin of Victoria Beckham Okay, gotcha. Do you know that kind of way in that she's yeah. got that kind of entrepreneurial thing and she kind of parlayed a kind of ho-hum career in celebrity and entertainment into a fashion house that is actually far more successful than her original career as Lionel Richie's daughter and uh, a, reality, a reality TV star. I always What's loved her show? best, the country life, the simple life. Oh, 
That was oh, perfect. I loved The Simple Life so much. And I loved Nicole Richie in it. Like she was the yeah, personality. Yeah, you're right. She was the star. Yeah. Completely. So anyway, even if say like I saw them framing a shot of the judges uh, earlier and uh, Naomi's wasn't in shot, just her elbow. And even her elbow was scene stealing. Speaking of scene stealing, my son has just... Oh, I can hear that. <laughs> Hang on one second, I'm just going to hand him off. Yeah, so Naomi... Naomi. She's amazing. Oh, sometimes she just doesn't even say anything. It's just all... And it's just all in the face. I know. The best thing was, you texted me and I was looking, I was like, why the fuck is this happening? What network is it on? Why is this not just the next season of Project Runway? And I watched then an interview with Tim Gunn and what's your name? Heidi Klum. Heidi Klum. And they were like, well, tr they were trying to pretend that the reason for the shift in network was not the copious amounts of fucking money they were offered, was that there was it was a different kind of vibe to the show there was a different there was just there's no difference except for more money but there is the ending which is promising this is important for the designers they first of all, they get a million quid if they win which is mm. amazing but they also get to sell their actual clothes manufactured through amazon so they sell their whole know. collection yeah they make a collection yeah and it's also through amazon well, that's good and you know it's really interesting that every week um, they get to sell a look on um, Amazon, like the winning look of each week immediately goes. I've d I mean, I'm fascinated by this and I That's was interested cool. in your take because obviously this is your business. But I was so interested yeah. in how they're doing this. So every uh, week the winning look is immediately well. available. So. Well, Amazon have their own line of... They just have everything that you could possibly... So if they decided they wanted to put some one piece into production, it would take them four seconds. They just take one of their warehouses, put it into production, sell it through... The, like, it's all set up. Yeah. So that I guess you could see it could be done. But it totally removes... And the suggestion that any of this is sustainable, uh, the suggestion that any of it is in any way environmentally conscious oh god no or it's actually incredibly like amazingly off consumerist message and off message yeah, yeah. don't you think oh yeah and like jeff read Beezy, the room absolutely sake. not reading the room did jeff Bezu made i think in the, the last four weeks or six weeks of this of the of corona he ha he has amassed a further 24 billion in personal fortune um, i mean this guy is God, effectively God in terms of of cashola so it's all kind of tainted with that with the, with that background of Absolutely. evil Amazon it's vibes. so true and like it's just so interesting to watch them completely ignore that stuff yeah and it's so it's completely anti like the sustainability angle it's anti the environmental angle it's it's very Trump it's so in it's so like overtly capitalist that it should not be working at all. But lads, I love it's it joyous. so much. I mean, let's park. Okay. Okay, park it's all those things. ethically extremely dubious and we are totally acknowledging that. But let's park it for a minute to talk about some of the personalities. Like, I just think it's actually, so it's all pre-COVID, obviously. And it's so, there's something about the show that's making me so appreciate 
like the fact that it's in Paris, it feels like you're getting to kind of travel a bit. I mean, is this sad or what? The fact that everyone in the show is so passionate about what they do. Like that, I think, I think because we are at such a point of sort of disposability in terms of reality TV, we Mm. don't and and cynicism. We just don't get those passionate people on reality TV anymore. Like nobody's like passionate about winning Love Mm. Island. And as well, the difference between looking at professionals doing mm. a professional job mm. rather than... And so they, do, they don't come across as sort of victims in the way that we consume things like Big Brother and Love is Blind, where you're sort of their lambs to the slaughter. That's it, it. Like exactly. It's kind of a respect. And Absolutely. That's a really good point. You're not in the back of your mind worrying about exploiting somebody who's less intelligent, perhaps, or mm. or maybe by your, by your whatever perception you think they're less intelligent. Sorry, Love Island contestants. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're all But it's so true. Worry. You actually get to, like, look at people who are really talented and creative and look at yeah. their just skill and appreciate their talent. I think it's, yeah, it's got the... Yeah, ba- the process. Yeah, and it's got the um, bake-off factor. Uh, like in it's in that you're with luxury visually a luxurious thing to consume that's it it's satisfying this visual appetite it's you're you're spending time with people who really love what they're doing and it's mm. it's like it's you're not getting a contact high yeah it's not cozy the way bake off is like it's catty as well which is fun it could be cattier but i think it's going that direction how fucking hilarious is tim gunn though always tearing up so do you think he's that nice i do he's just yeah uh, he's a nice person i know he must be absolutely ravaged by the whole process though because he seems to be so emotionally invested in everybody and then like he's just is it every night he's just like you won't believe what happened today to Grania now. And, you know, he's kind of friends with them. Oh, totally. And like reporting back to Heidi and being like, oh, things what aren't the fuck going is well. What Heidi doing? She's what is fannying her around Paris. She's No function. She's literally, I think she's fun though. She's And she's kind Actually. of leader of the judges. He's the go-between. He's the kind of, pe- mm. you know, he's giving them the pep in their step. Do you know he's the Dermot Bannon? Of fashion reality TV. Absolutely. Like he's and the very same non-committal. invested. Absolutely. Okay. And then he'll say like, you could do your extension, north facing extension. I mean, I'd support that. But another option could be that type of a character. I think sometimes Dermot really lays it all out there. Sometimes he's too pushy. And Seb's really like, shocking. why is he like this? Why is he so pushy about the fucking windows? And I'm like, well, we wouldn't be watching. If he was like, oh, sure, if you want white windows, no probs. Oh, I know. Listen, Listen. Uh, I'm just really I'm addicted to it. I'm loving it. It's genuinely giving me an escape. Brilliant. You need it. Everybody needs it. There's a new reality show coming. I think it might be on Netflix. I was talking to my pal about it last night. Uh, It's Love Island-esque. So that might see if you this is sort of the highbrow option and that might be our lowbrow option. Anyway, I'll get back to you when I've consumed some of it next week. Excellent. Can't wait. Okay, I watched oh. a brilliant movie this week. Oh, it's 
It's so good. It's so it? satisfying to just finally get a decent flick under my belt. It's so full. It's so full of everything, you know, the visually, the actresses, the prosthetics, the accents. It's just, it's very theatrical. The whole it's thing. very, High very drama. camp, isn't it? Very. Okay, so we're talking, of course, about um, Bombshell. Which was big. I mean, we're a bit behind the times, I suppose. Yeah, but when did it come Everything out, got a bit kind of um, fecky at the beginning of the year. It came out just at the end of last year, didn't it? And um, it was, uh, you know, Academy Award nominations for Charlie Theron and Margot Robbie. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, it just kind of passed me by a little bit. It won. That's what the one Margot Robbie won for. I'll tell you Actually, why, Actually, Nicole Kidman was nominated as well. And so it was John I think, Well, this is why I missed the boat on mm. it. Because the Jennifer Aniston Exactly, program the morning show. Was happening at the same fucking time. And that was the same fucking story. Well, yeah, so practically. I guess there there was a bit of conflict. I, for me, anyway, I was like, oh, I, I'm, I, have, I already have this in my life. I yeah, don't need I'm that full up on American network teledramas. Um, mm. Or so you thought. Well, the thing is, the morning show was kind of a fictionalized version um, of a real story, whereas this is fully like all the players. It's the story of Roger Ailes, the former CEO of Fox Network, um, being like overthrown by um, a female whistleblower, Gretchen Carlson, um, who had been sexually harassed by Roger Ailes and then sidelined. And uh, when she was made redundant, she um, took a case against Roger Ailes personally, as opposed to against mm-hmm. the network. Um, which I think was, crucial. was the way she had to approach it mm. in order for the case to be heard. Because if she had went through directly to the network, there, because of a previous case, um, a law existed whereby her case would never be heard. So Yeah, like they'd have arbitration and stuff like that, but it wouldn't, they had clauses whereby that could never be made public. Um, so she could have had some sort of, you know, uh, justice process, but like it wouldn't mm. have been nearly as effective. Um, and also, uh, I suppose it was just a better bet knowing that the Murdochs would dropkick anyone under the bus if they had to. Um, so yeah, so we've got three female, strong female leads: Charlie Theron, Nicole Kidman, Margot Absolutely Robbie. Phenomenal. Each of them fantastic. Each of them. Well, no, I just well, I was on. very we distracted by the faces. Something. I was going to say there's one big fuck up here, and it's chin chimney, chin chimney, chin chin chiru. It's <laughs> chin. It's the Cole's fake chin. Nicole's it's fake Nicole's chin. fake chin is the most distracting thing I have ever seen. Why did they bother? They are actresses. They can act. Yes, I know. And like sometimes I think these movies that are like, you know, you know, that where they're depicting real people, they get a bit caught up, I think, in the and look how exactly like, mm. uh, you know, George W. Bush, we managed to make Sam Rockwell, for example, in Vice. Mm. Um. And like, you're right, we don't need it. Like, no, we're fully on board to pretend Nicole is somebody else. We, that's how, how, that's, what we do. We've signed up for it. We know it's a movie, guys. 
It's now I have to say, but Charlize absolutely unbelievable as Megan Kelly. Her voice. So Charlize opens the movie, and you're like, "Oh, Megan Kelly, obviously is doing a, uh, doing the voiceover of the," and you're like, "No, no, that's Charlize. She is fucking amazing, mm. and her prosthetics much more subtle. I was happy with that. It was just Nicole for me." It's mad because I think Seb and I spent the whole time being like, are we looking at normal Hollywood actress in her 50s, too much surgery, uh, which unfortunately is normal, or are we looking at a deliberate um, like But here we are just talking about their fucking visuals again. No. It's just that the we're prosthetics not. It's just that it's distracting. Yeah, yeah. 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 Definitely. Like they did a better job of John Lithgow's. But listen, the whole film, anyway, absolutely sensational. Yeah. yeah. So carry on. Where were you when you dropped off? You were giving us the background. Well, no, no, I think I'd kind of given the background. So basically the film plays out, um, you know, over the course of a few years, like uh, with the kind of backdrop of Trump, Trump's campaign and him actually getting elected, um, which is a very interesting kind of angle on it because Megyn Kelly, who Charlize Theron plays, had like a famous kind of year long sort of spat with Trump where he was having toys out of the pram endlessly about what a bimbo she was and how she's terrible at her job. And like basically he trolled her publicly all throughout his election campaign, which is. And remember that period thing? Oh, yeah. That that he he said about that she was on her period when she was asking him some like, you know, tough questions. Um, Mm. I think because the assumption he'd had was he was going into Fox and the Fox are his. Uh, platform and you know they support him and everything but like he really came out against her but it's just um like I think the one thing I wondered if you found this as well was that like it's a little bit messy in places like I felt it needed like sometimes it just felt a little bit like like it needed tightening up or something like it's kind of a sprawling cast there's a lot of people to get a handle on they have some brilliant people crop up in it Alison Cheney plays Roger Ailes's attorney um I thought that who do we had Rob Delaney underused yeah. I love him but he was kind of a bit underused um we had Kate McKinnon who amazing was brilliant yeah she was great um she was a lesbian working at Fox and she literally was like Undercover. It was a crazy insight into conservatism in the States, wasn't it? It was worrying, actually. Well, I guess because of the campness of it all, it was easy for me anyway, watching to be like, oh, you know, this is. But I kept then thinking, oh, no, wait, Jen, this fucking happened and is continuing to happen. And that's. Yeah. Depressing. The political end of it, obviously, that we lived through and we know. And the call back to those times and then seeing the background specifically the Megyn Kelly and the Donald Trump spot mm. in the interview. It's just... But it was also interesting being kind of parachuted in on the side of these women. And then kind of like, there was little snippets of like, oh no, hang on, wait. Like Megyn Kelly is, you know, would argue for a white Santa Claus. Mm. Um, like, and reject the notion of a Santa Claus of any other race or colour. And like, so you're kind of like, you're so with them. And then you're like, Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yes. What am I agreeing to? And then there's yeah. like, did you, I enjoyed this slight kind of um, callback to succession 
with the kind of Murdoch uh, and his two sons. Like they're not in it that much, but like anytime they came, Top floor. yeah, anytime they kind of came on screen, I was picturing succession playing out just a few fo- floors above uh, where our protagonists were. And then like I could see there like the two sons were in the lift and I was like, there's Roman and Kendall now. Oh, how are they getting how on? I miss them. I know. And I went on a deep Google actually to see when, how they are getting on because I would have thought they would have been in production last year, but apparently, <sighs> no. So they no, had been it's slated not even kicked for off. release this summer of season three, but it's not going to happen. Damn. No. So gutting. Then again, maybe they were better off finishing on that such an incredible high. We've gone from recommending Bombshell to right back into it. But it's, that's, it's all one story. It's all it's just the fucking Murdochs. Yeah, yeah. It's all just kind of orbiting the same, you know, <clears throat> fascinating kind of media landscape. It's like, as well, like, you got to get back on uh, Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. It's such a brilliant perspective on all this. Like, uh, and like the, the morning show, like, we both kind of, we both consumed that in a haze of, I don't know, just a matter of hours, basically. I barely yeah. broke from it. Um, and, like, I'd love to say about it at the time, but I kind of think in the end it came up short. What did you think? Yeah, I guess I agree. I mean... It's definitely I, enjoyable. It's a good watch, but, like, some of it yeah. is so cringy in the kind of, like, fake journalism side of it. Okay. Like, I mm. do remember... Um, Reese Witherspoon's character, she's the kind of like young up and comer um, to Jennifer Aniston's like more established kind of face of daytime TV. And she, Reese Witherspoon is preparing for a difficult interview and she's watching the Frost Nixon interview on YouTube. And I'm just like, oh no, like, come on. That's not, that's the most fake journalism thing I've ever heard. Um, but yeah, no, Bombshell, really, really good. I did really Five enjoy stars. it. Five stars. So far, I haven't finished it yet. It's I lo- I'm loving every minute of it. Yeah. And also, it's just a great departure from what's happening at the moment, even though it's currently still happening, I'm sure. Donald Trump, etc. It's just nice to shift focus. Absolutely. And if you're in the mood for prosthetics, Vice, I watched it when it was out last year in cinemas, but I actually rewatched it a few weeks ago. And I loved it again the second time. It's such a great flick. Have you seen Vice? Not yet. It's on my list. It's all about Dick Cheney and it's uh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, Christian Bale plays him and it's um, Adam McKay, the same guy who did The Big Short. So it's just like, it's buzzy as fuck. It takes on quite complex stuff and boils it down to very accessible, fun entertainment. It's great. Okay, we have Fanula Jones on the Zoomaloom to tell us all about the cultural moment that she hasn't stopped thinking about, that she still, every week, might cast her mind back to. Do you remember when? Thank you for joining us, Fanula. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Okay, for starters, tell us what you think is the best thing about lockdown. Oh, like I'm gonna sound like such a like zen like zen I don't I don't know but this whole like I am loving the slower pace of life in Berkshire commas um I am enjoying that because I would have been a chronically busy person before this and 
not having to do things is great and not having to see people. Um, <laughs> but I would say I wouldn't be surprised if I left this having developed like agoraphobia or something. Like I don't, I feel like I'm not going to be able to leave the house when this is done. Like everyone's like, I can't wait. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'll just step out of the door and get too overwhelmed and have to go back to bed. Oh yeah. It'll be really weird <laughs> yeah. going back out there. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it, that's why the slow release is going to happen. And that's important for us mentally, I think as well. Because if, if there was just a plug pulled and a big race out all of a sudden, I think we'd all find that difficult. There'd be like turf wars over beer gardens, I think, and tables. Like, I think we, we could end up like accidentally starting civil war. I really want them to um, introduce something really random like uh, the in Athens years ago, they had like a terrible pollution problem and a traffic problem in the center of the city. So they instated a rule that only people whose license plates ended in odd numbers could go in on certain days. Now, it immediately because the Greeks are very like us in that we're a nation of Dell boys and so are they. They immediately spawned this black market of people having two license plates for their cars and swapping them out. But I'd love if they kind of pulled something like everyone, like only the Geminis are allowed in on Thursdays or something, something really fucking random like that to try and stem the flow of people. Only people born on a Tuesday may go into town today. And like all the Tuesday people would be like, oh, hey, we have this in common, I see. That's a solid idea. Any, I don't know, like where are they going to even begin with this? I mean, there's no point in us talking about it because we're still bang, right bang in the middle of it, guys. But I just thought it might kick us off on like a slightly positive note to ask you what you're (laughs) enjoying. Because I think I spend all day in my mind being like, and I hate this about lockdown and I hate this. Fair. (laughs) I'm getting to watch a lot of TV and catch up on stuff that I hadn't. So that's also very positive when you love TV as much as I do. But just, as I said, like never, ever have time or can never give that time over to it. So watch the act. You, oh yes is how is it yeah. everyone's telling Very me they're good. loving it so the act is the fictionalized version of or it's a dramatized version of the gypsy rose blanchard story yeah very very good but like not an easy watch by any means if everyone will know that if you know the story but and like patricia arquette is just incredible oh. in everything she does it's just it's not fair that she's just allowed go out and do that every single time like, I know long so, time legend she's so good yeah, honestly so oh. truly weird about I her know. and it's so likable it's her and Jennifer Jason Lee in my mind are two actresses that like really lean into their weirdness and I think Betty Gilpin is the new them I'm calling it now do you remember her she's Who's that she's name? the lead in the hunt oh. and she's in the in glow of course. um I think she's gonna be the new uh, Patricia Arquette You've heard it here. Um, okay, you've got to tell us about the cultural moment or icon that you still think about. Um, this is one, it's kind of weird. So October 20th, 2015, I had to go back and check the date on this. Um, I went and reviewed uh, One Direction in the Three Arena with my friend Breed. Um, because she really wanted to go and I kind of felt because of what they were, I needed to go. And because I had the opportunity to review it and go for free, I was like, why not? Um, and we went and the day prior, um, this was post Zayn as well. If anyone knows, Zayn Malik had left the group at this point. Um, and it was kind of their last tour before the last album that they released as a group. 
and the night before they were due to play a gig in Belfast um, and like at the 11th hour it was cancelled because Liam said he was sick and I remember reading this and being like oh my god are we going to be able to go and like Breed was obviously having a banger because she really wanted to see them like Breed was a fully fledged One Direction fan I just kind of wanted to see what the hype was she'd follow them all up through X Factor for me I kind of had this thing where I didn't re I was like you know that pure music snobbery thing where I was like they're so manufactured oh my god it's not even real music but I was like <laughs> I may as well go and see you know whatever I'll, I'll go have a look um so we went anyway because there was no word of it being cancelled or whatever and they said that it, they were good to go ahead or whatever went watched the gig and if you read my review on Golden Plec I'm not particularly complimentary because there was just like a myriad of tech issues but there was one song that they did off their album four it's called Stockholm Syndrome. And I watched them and it was the first time I got it and I got them and I got the appeal of them. They did it in this like cage of like lasers and it's just a class song. And when I went to revisit the album, I was like, oh, this is actually good. Um, and I just remember watching them like bopping around the stage, like the four of them. And it was the only moment on that night where they didn't seem like really shagged from doing the whole thing. Mm. Like it was, it just crystallized it for me that I was like, this is why they appeal to so many people. This is why. This is their so magnetism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it was hard then because I kind of went back and sunk my teeth into all their back catalog then and kind of consumed everything that was to do with them. And then at this point they were going off. Cliff, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. As I said, like, it was very obvious, like they were straining under the weight of it that night and just having to carry on and do this. That's mad. Um, and what kind of age were yeah. they in like 2015? So they kind of kicked off in about 2010. Is that about right? I couldn't yeah, believe they were. They're coming up to that's the, when they won X yeah, Factor. Yeah. And what age yeah, were they? Coming up to the, how, what age were they? I mean, roughly. They were still like very, or very early 20s, like, which is the thing. Like, I think we kind of forget I'm sure one of them was like 15 at the audition process. So he would have only been then like yeah. 20, like still children. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Mm. I feel like Niall Horan was quite young. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it was just, and I understand it then because like being in a room, like obviously the gig was sold out and like everyone says it, like the volume of the place was just unbelievable to the point where I think there was issues with their pieces anyway, but they couldn't hear themselves singing mm. and like it was like you could see it on their faces and like their demeanor that it was just they were just wrecked I think from the whole thing and I know there was a load of criticism of them cancelling that gig the night before and like was Liam even sick or whatever mm. like I'd say he was sick of the shite of having to be like this teen idol and just go out and do this every night when again, again like they're still young but because they were so young starting it they probably thought they were so much older now and like past this whole experience of being the boy band like yeah like I'm looking now at Harry Styles is 26 now I'm wow, like how like... is that even possible I feel like he has been around forever um and so that makes him 21 on that night yeah. like imagine like hitting the peak and then like I suppose plummet of your career at 21 and just being so yeah. over it already yeah, so that's the thing. They must have had this incredibly is, singular pop experience. You like to be so massive, so fast, and to burn so bright, and then obviously all of them want to just throw in the towel on it then and do their things. Yeah, because I mean, when you think about it, they had like a five-year career themselves, as you said. Like it was twenty ten when they were 
put together on X Factor were coming up to the, like, it, it is the 10 year reunion of them being formed. Mm. And there's a lot of talk about them actually getting back together and acknowledging that or whatever. Mm. But it, like, it really isn't that long in the grand scheme of things. And I remember even hearing, like, all the news stories this week of them chatting about getting back together. And I was like, how, what is time? Like, how are we at this point already where, like, because I still, I still watched X Factor because I was so into X Factor at the time. And I remember so many of their performances. And to think of it now as, like, being 10 years since then is just, time is a cruel mistress is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> a very cruel mistress. And who do you think was kind of the most compelling? Like, because they've all had kind of, they splintered off and kind of done different things. Like, was it, who was it that went out with Caroline Flack when he was about 12? Harry. Was that Harry? Harry, Harry went out. Yeah. So everything happens to Harry, actually. Is that the... Yeah. I think Harry was only six, yeah, 16 or 17 at the time. Not great, but... That's uh, yeah. so bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. It's, that's, and we were I mean, all okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, like literally, we were like, ha ha, gas, long. <laughs> I know, it's not a good. Um, it's an interesting question because if you're to look at it from like the perspective of them all going solo, like I remember having like a huge amount of hope for Zayn when he left first. Um, he left, I can't think it was late 2014, maybe early. No, I think it was 2015, actually. He left 2015. Mm. Um, and I remember that was a whole moment in in itself of like, him breaking off and he'd kind of come out and said that he had all these other influences and he wanted to pursue a career in like R&B and make an R&B album and that mm. he loved listening to Frank Ocean. And he didn't yeah. Ah. And like he had this, um, the cover was like him drinking like orange juice or something. And like, this is going to sound really weird to describe. He's drinking orange juice and like the juice is like spilling everywhere. And I remember being like, oh my God, I was like, he's going to be it. Like, this is it. I'm, I have so much faith in this being like a pop thing. Like he's going to be so good. And like, I mean, that's kind of up for discussion as to his level. He's had a lot of commercial success, but like, I don't know has his music. He's had some cracking tunes, but I don't know how much of it is compared to some of the best of, one Direction stuff or even some of the other lads solo stuff yeah but I remember having seen them as a foursome in the three arena it kind of I really want to see them as a fivesome now I want to see them with Zane because he's yeah. so strong vocally but there's the tricky thing with it there because like I think he had such a different experience in the band compared to the others because of his heritage and because of his religion and it's kind of obvious that the other lads in the band don't get how difficult how much more difficult it was for them it always kind of comes back to it was difficult for all of us whatever blah 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 but I kind of don't think they gave Zane like a fair goal because it's similar enough to like the stuff that Meghan Markle went through even in terms of the abuse she got mm -hmm. like it's it's a completely different and I think there's a small level of right privilege where they just they can't they don't understand that and they put it down to him just being a difficult person. There's been a there's been a good few interviews since where like the reunion has come up and like Niall has and Niall had said actually in one interview that like Zane's really difficult to get a hold of and there's been a couple of times where they've said if a reunion happens, I don't think it would be with all of us. I think it would be Liam, Niall, Louis and Harry. Mm. But I'm just kind of like, which makes me sad. And I know other people have said it online where it's just like they just don't seem to acknowledge that difficulty that Zane had being in the spotlight and being like of a different race to the other four and having a completely different like level of vitriol like leveled at him. I know even from from being online at the time and it was obviously like 
a different place. Some would argue probably not that different. But in terms of the way he would be spoken about and in terms of his skin colour, like 100%, yeah. And it's just, it was a difficult thing anyway for all of them, I think. Uh, towards the end, there was a guy called Tom Lamont. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but he did an interview with them for The Guardian kind of towards the end of them all being a fivesome. And it's such a good piece and it paints such a clear picture of how fractured it all was and that whole thing of them having getting separate limos everywhere and kind of Liam speaking for all of them and Zayn not really speaking and being really withdrawn and he gets Harry on his own at the end and they talk about like football and how he seems like really down to earth and he hasn't kind of let everything get to them. Mm. And it's it's such a good piece if anyone wants to go back and read that. If you just Google like one direction guardian interview you'll you'll bring it up it's it's such a good piece so so good and it's really interesting to like frame it fully in that way because at the kind of if you're only a kind of passing one direction or uh it's it looks like the usual boy band power move of you know there's always one that cuts out first and robbie exactly uh ronan <laughs> um, uh, who was it in Westlife? I can't, Brian McFadden. How Brian could Ryan. I have forgotten who it was in Westlife? <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, it looks initially kind of yeah from the off like the kind of power move. But also, if you're saying there's such a kind of a disconnect between how they're all experiencing this same uh, f- fame uh, game, then it makes a lot of sense. He's also older than the others. Um, yeah, and. Uh, He's, I mean, he's now as well, like doing more bits in fashion and things like that. There's a lot of talk about reunions now. I mean, none of them can go or do anything without being asked about it is the other tricky thing. But kind of in more recent times, because it is the 10 year anniversary, they've all said, I think with the exception of Zayn, in recent times, we'll say, they've all said it's inevitable they'll get back together. But I know Harry and Liam have both said that they'd find it difficult to see One Direction existing as a fivesome again. Mm. But now they're all saying, ah, yeah, no, we'll do it. And then you'd kind of wonder, is it a case of, like, is it, like, is it a money thing? Which Nihilus previously denied and Nihilus said, no, we wouldn't want it to be because of that and whatever. Or, like, it's a tricky one. I know they've been asked a couple of times about whether they do, like, um, a Backstreet Boys, like, Zoom call thing to, like, rally the troops during this difficult time yeah and they've and like i think a couple of them have said uh no like we wouldn't really want to do we wouldn't want the reunion to look like that but um i don't know i think it would be i would love to see it but at the same time i have this conflict because a part of me feels like i don't think zane can go back to that and do that because as you said I do think there was a thing of him wanting to do his own thing and be seen as his own person Mm. but I think there definitely was a want to be separated from the absolute like Beatlemania-esque thing that just followed them because when you think about it like directioners and the fan base that they had they were kind of one of the first to like utilize social media in that way to like follow a band and just worship a band but it also kind of probably kicked off that whole thing of like that really horrible side of fan culture like where people are just like are just abusive on the internet like let's call a spade a spade I mean like you'd see fan accounts where they're following their every move but uh, but they'd all have a favorite and like Mm -hmm. especially you'd see even after when the group splintered off and when Zayn left seeing how those like like incredibly devoted fans like how their mindsets changed towards Zane or towards any other member because 
like they were just so obsessed with one other member. It's kind of weird and I'd hate to see a return to that because again, as much as I'd like to think the internet is slightly better and people have more cop on, I'm not entirely sure that's the case for everyone, to be honest. I actually have to hold my hand up and say, I have never knowingly listened to a One Direction song. That is not because I am a person of taste or anything like that. I literally, I'm just really dumb when it comes to music. I literally just listen to Louise Bruton's playlists constantly and I just let other people tell me what to listen to. But I did Fair. listen to um, Harry's uh, Lizzo cover just because everyone was talking about it for a few days on Twitter. Do you know that kind of way? What yeah. did you think yeah. of it? Oh, he's unbelievable. Like I, you'd asked about who I think is kind of been the one on their own and I like I think he's definitely it to be honest I think he just he's done that whole thing where like he's crafted his own sound he's very interesting like to look at to listen to but again just doesn't seem like a dickhead in any kind of interview or anything seems like really down to earth there's actually a clip that I watched because like there's there's loads of fan accounts on TikTok now as well for like Harry and other people but kind of mainly Harry Harry seems to have kind of transcended that internet thing of like most of the One Direction people have moved on and they're now like his stands and have their own like Harry accounts. Anyway, mm. there's a video on TikTok and he's doing an interview with them. Um, or no, sorry, it's Maddie Healy from the 1975 and Nick Grimshaw is interviewing him and he like dares him to ring Harry and ask for five grand and just give no context whatsoever. <laughs> and Matt's like, oh, my, and Matt's freaking out and he rings anyway and Harry's like, all right, I'm not going to do the accent, but anyway, he's like, all right, how are you doing? And Matt's like, we haven't really met, we haven't really met that often. We're not like busy mates or whatever. And Matt's like, yeah, like, how are you getting on? Whatever. And Harry's like, good, good, good. Yeah, how are you? Whatever. And Matt's like, I'm good. And he's like, listen, I need five grand. And Harry's like, okay. And Harry's like, Matt's like, I'm in a bit, it's an emergency. Like I'm in a bit of a sticky situation. Is there any way you can help? <laughs> and Harry's like, oh, I'm in like X place. Like I, do, I don't know when I'd, he's like, I'm in X place right now. And Matt's like, oh, okay. And then Harry's just like, let me talk to my assistant and I'll get you sorted out. And Matt's like, oh man, cheers mate, thanks so much. <laughs> like imagine someone just ringing out and like just being like, here, give me five grand. And you're like, all right. Like just didn't even think about it. But I just, I really think that says a lot about him as a person. I'm just, I'm obsessed with him. I, mean, I really, I, he's playing the three arena next it year. It does. I don't want to ruin a nice story with the fact that he's worth 58 oh, no. million. <laughs> don't do this (laughs) no no but you know what the more you have the scabbier you get we all know that (laughs) oh Oh, no I love his style I love his aesthetic I think he's got the real Jagger vibes like I don't really feel like we've seen a pop star kind of since Mick Jagger who's got that kind of like I don't know just he's very sexy charisma he's gorgeous and he was brilliant yeah. in Dunkirk. I was amazed. Oh my God, sorry. There's a funny thing, actually. If you look up Harry Styles, like, film credits on his Wikipedia, mm-hmm. it's like the all the all the One Direction movies. So it's like, One Direction, This Is Us. One Direction, On The Road. One Direction. One Direction, blah, blah, blah. And then it's Dunkirk. Behind the album. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> plays himself, 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 and whatever the character he plays in Dunkirk. It's so funny. Oh, that's, um, go to Yeah. Him. I think he, I think he kind of was initially criticized though. Is like, was he being a bit of a culture vulture from that perspective of like, was he just trying to imitate that style and that kind of, mm. do you know, like that whole thing of he when he went to the Met Gala, he was one of like the curators for one that year that it was camp and he wore like a jumpsuit 
And I remember people, like you'd one side of people being like, yes, King, you do that. And then other people were like, I mean, like he's worn a jumpsuit. Like it's not really relevatory. And like, he's still a straight white man at the end of the day, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, but I, I really think with this album, Fine Line, he's definitely kind of like quietened a lot of the naysayers because like the music isn't necessarily reinventing the wheel and it's not, but it's very, very good. Like it's, it's pop and it's very, very good pop at that. So yeah, I'm, he's the one I'm very excited to see where it goes. And I'd say he said he wants a reunion and he said it's inevitable as well. But I feel like for him, he would do, he doesn't need it. Like he definitively doesn't need it. Louis Tomlinson needs it more than Harry needs it. (laughs) Poor Louis. If Harry's as sound as everyone says he is, then he'll step up. For his yeah. bandmate. <laughs> yeah. Or just throw him 5k. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just pay Louis Tomlinson to not have to do the reunion. <laughs> oh, listen. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Fanula. And everyone can catch Fanula on Bandwagons. What's your kind of one-liner? Bandwagons is like you break down the latest bandwagon so that other people don't even have to do the groundwork. Pretty much, it's, you got it in one there. It's Sophie. actually I, brilliant. I to do it. yeah. It's so handy yeah. for uh, lazy people. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I know, I love bandwagons. Um, I love yours and Breed's dynamic. I always talk about the skincare episodes, one of my favourites. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's, old, yeah. that's old school. I yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, um, but it, I miss recording with her. It's just not the same on, uh, on the technical, but we're doing our best. That's it. Mm. It's not the same, guys. But anyway, thank you so much. Love, have a good day. You too, guys. Thanks so much for having Thanks, me again. Thanks, Bye. See you later. Bye. Do you have anything for the bin? Do I have anything for the bin? Um, no, do you? I mean, I don't want to roundly bin people because... You know, but at the same time, let's <laughs> um, bet in. I have an audiobook recommendation. Oh, nice. I mean, actually, you could take it that I'm just saying anything by David Sedaris. Um, but I just, um, I listened to his latest Calypso in audiobook and I really, really oh, so enjoyed it. It's if, yeah. if you're a David Sedaris fan, it's a no brainer. It's not as like straight up lols as his previous books. Um, I don't know if you felt that too. It's definitely a bit more yeah. kind of thoughtful. And he definitely, I think, is more revealing of himself than usual. Um, not always in like a very positive light, but he's quite honest. Um, and I just, it's really, really good. So that's Calypso by Dave Sedaris. And it's made me think I might go back and like start, might get some of the ones that I had read previously in audiobook because it's a pleasure hearing him perform them. Mm. Um, like Me Talk Pretty One Day is one of my absolute faves. Dress Your Family Up in Corduroy and Denim, another brilliant one of his. And basically, if you don't know Dave Sedaris, he's like a, just a, kind of a humorist. Like, we don't have a lot of Dave Sedaris's anymore, do we? Who, like, they're writers who just craft these hilarious, true stories of their lives, kind of. And it, his whole family is like the characters of his stories, which obviously some people, I think, enjoy that aspect less than others. Mm. But... um. Yeah, he's uh, and he's a regular contributor to um, This American Life. So you might have heard him on that. Um, and uh, yeah, I just it's just the kind of fun con- content that we kind of need. Yeah, uh, he's a dream. A dream. Well, that's our show.
Hooray! Thanks for coming by. And don't forget to subscribe to Rogue if you haven't already. For just four euro a month, you're supporting locally grown content. Every week, receive a curated issue of writing from interviews to creative nonfiction and topical long reads. In this week's issue, we've got Aoife Martin exploring being trans in the time of COVID. And we have a travel piece by writer Fiona Hyde who visited Cambodia and brings us all back there with her. Visit roadcollective.ie to subscribe now.